0: Good morning, Church. It's good to be with you in this digital medium on this Good Friday. Today, we remember a story about death that's really a story about love. And that sounds like a strange thing to say, but it's not. Because when you love somebody, when you really love somebody, you're willing to sacrifice for them, to give things up that you desire. In fact, you find that your desires change. You're even willing to have less than what you need in order that they can have everything that they need. So often this is what we see parents doing for their children. And isn't it a sign of our deepest affections and devotion to say something like, i die for you. So when we hear this story, when we hear that story of a man who came from God, a man who was in very nature God, who gave his life for us, when we tell the story of a God who was willing to die for us, it moves us. It moves us because we understand that kind of love. We know that that's the deep kind of love that changes lives, that touches the whole world. That's the kind of love that really means something. And together today, we remember how more than just empty words or dramatic promises, our God loved us big enough and deep enough to actually die for us. That the one who is life, the one who is life, would submit to death for our sakes, so that death should have no power over any who find themselves in him. That's a big story, and that's a deep love. It's so big a story, it's such deep love that we need to prepare for it. If you've been journeying with us through this season of Lent, you'll know that Lent is a journey toward the cross. We spend 40 days bracing ourselves for the things that we know are coming but we can never really be prepared for. We spend 40 days fasting and lamenting and longing for the best in a world that's too full of disappointments and despair. And it's not only us who are so far removed from the events of Jesus's life who need to prepare ourselves for the cross. Jesus knew that his friends would need time to prepare as well. And so he predicted his death he told them what was coming. And before they could even imagine it, he told them as well what his cross would mean for them. He tells them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's a really tough thing to hear. And so in these past six weeks, we've been practicing hearing it, practicing listening to God tell us to deny ourselves to deny ourselves the quarreling that we love to do, to deny ourselves the injustice that makes us comfortable, the selfishness that propels us forward, the, the accusations, the gossip that push others back, how we ought to even give up going our own way. We've, over these last six weeks, been building up our tolerance together so that when we got here, When we arrive at today, when we're at the foot of the cross, we can hear the fullness of what Jesus has called us to really give up. Jesus says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus, I love this, he not only predicts his death, he interprets his death as well. Jesus spells out the repercussions of it for his disciples. The God who died for us tells us the cost of following him is that we must give up our lives for him as well. Weeks before his crucifixion, miles away from the cross, so far away from it all, what Jesus is saying maybe didn't make sense. But today, here, right here, remembering again the anguish and the pain, feeling anew the gratitude and the awe at a God who would die, Maybe today we can hear and understand what Jesus told us would be true, that we also must lose our lives for him. And I love Peter in this story, because before Jesus gets to the really tough bit about their lives, when he still only just predicted his own death and his own resurrection as well, Peter takes Jesus aside. Peter is going to have a tough talk with the rabbi, about how you can't just say those kinds of things. And he rebukes Jesus. He says to him, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Miles away from the cross, it's still unimaginable. And the weight of its shadow on the lives of the disciples is something that Peter doesn't yet have the capacity to consider. Honestly, I see myself in Peter. I think I see the church in Peter. We might not be bold enough to say, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But really, I think that's only because we know the story already. We know about the cross. It was a really long time ago. And we know about Easter. We've been celebrating it for years. And that part of the story is settled. But our part of the story is still fresh and new to us. So we might not say, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But I think we do often say, God forbid it. Why should this happen to me? This is a thought that I found in my own mind and my own heart during this season of the pandemic. Why should this happen to me? Why should this be my life and my season now? I've been thinking this thought as if others in other times or other places in the world ought to suffer these things. And I should not. Far from telling Jesus that he will not suffer the cross, we instead rebuke God that we should not have a cross of our own to bear. We remember one part of this story really rather well, and we forget its implications on our lives entirely. We will gladly accept the loving embrace of the death of our God. We will find comfort in a God who suffers alongside of us, but we will hastily reject any suggestion that we should become like that God, that we should choose to suffer for the sake of others, that we might even lose our lives for him. Well, that's just too far. The Christian scholar and public theologian Miroslav Wolf he put it in this way. He said, all sufferers can find comfort in the solidarity of the crucified. But only those who struggle against evil by following the example of the crucified will discover him at their side. To claim the comfort of the crucified while rejecting his way is to advocate not only cheap grace, but a deceitful ideology. It certainly is a comfort for me to know that the God who comes to us knows the sorrow that we together know. He knows what it is to lose a loved one. He knows what it is to be betrayed, to be let down, to be mocked and hurt, to be forsaken and utterly alone. It's a source of solace for me to know that the one who cares for all of our needs actually understands our needs, and to love him for enduring them, even to the point of death, so that we might see our story in his story. But if that's where it stops, if we only see his story and our story for how we have unwillingly suffered in our lives, if that's the case, then our love for him is not as deep and our appreciation for what he has done is still too shallow. Because the true marvel of what Jesus did is in the choice, that he chose to suffer with us and more than that, to suffer for us, And if we truly understand that choice, if we can actually comprehend that sacrifice, we should be compelled to go and do likewise. That more than simply finding comfort in the life he lived, we must also choose that life for ourselves. Imagine, if you will, if after the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, that those in the civil rights movement reflected on his sacrifice for their cause, how his life touched theirs, how his work and his words had brought about some measure of change and hope, but that they resolved that the story was over now, that the work was done, that they should no longer march, should no longer call out for a better way, should no longer dream their very good dreams, because to do so would likely mean to suffer even as he had suffered perhaps even to die as he had died. To have reacted in that way would have been, I think, a betrayal of the sacrifices he did make, even to the point of death. No, we know that in this case, the work had to continue and continues to this day, still emboldened by the love and vision and even the death of that same man. How then can we imagine that of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement, but we cannot imagine the same of our Lord and what it means to follow him in the ways of his kingdom. Whoever wants to be a disciple of the crucified Lord must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him because there is no following him apart from the cross. There is no way of Jesus that does not lead to death. If he would not turn from this road, neither shall we. Because the turn is to stop following. To refuse the cross is to give up on the work of Christ in the world. To allow evil and death its victory in our lives by refusing to confront them in the only way that we know has ever been successful, which is the way of Jesus, the way that faces them willingly that endures them so that others might not have to, that in losing our lives for him, in dying his death, we might find life again. As John's first letter says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This story about death and sacrifice really is a story about love. Not only God's deep love for us, but also about how that love, that action of love, transforms us to love each other. That more than willing to suffer for our children, we also ought to suffer for each other. Choosing to love not with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. You know, in the past couple of weeks, there have been a few headlines about Christian love that have caught my attention. Love that sacrifices deeply for another. Love of actions and truth. I think first of the actions of Don Giaspi Berardelli, an Italian priest whose church had bought him a respirator to ensure that he would be well through this pandemic. A A respirator which he donated while he still needed it in the hopes that somebody else might live at the same time i think of the many co-laborers of him and us in italy who are dying to this virus at a higher rate than even the doctors who are treating the sick not because they're foolish though some might see it that way but because they are compassionate and seeing people who are dying alone without loved ones nearby, they are responding to hear their final words and relay them to their families, exposing themselves that others might not have to. They're offering comfort and prayer to the sick and dying, even in final hours, and knowing all the while that in offering these small gestures of peace to the sick and their families, that they too might die. They too are dying. These are stories of people who understand the call of Jesus, the meaning of the cross, that this cross has been good news for us. It's been good news for you and for me and for the church, but the power of the cross is that it's not only for you or me, but it's for the world, and that it continues to minister to the whole world through the loving and true actions of Jesus' disciples, who follow their master, even in suffering, even in sorrow, even in death, because they know that there is better joy, greater hope, so much more goodness to be known and shared in this way of Jesus, in the way of the cross, than in any other way, because they believe and trust that in losing their lives for him, that will actually find them. Some of you may already be leaning into suffering and sacrifice in these hard days for your family, for your neighbors, for strangers who you're continuing to volunteer to help. Maybe in the past you've had some hard stories of sacrifice which didn't have obvious payoffs, which still have a lot of pain connected to them, where you're still watching and waiting for the resurrection the finding of life again that Jesus promises, and you're wondering, but what about the hardest days? What about the toughest point when the cross is too heavy, when tomorrow is too uncertain, when we're at the end of ourselves and we don't see Jesus' good way anymore? What do we do then? Even then, I think we have a great example in the cross. In Luke's account of the crucifixion, it says this, It says, it was now about noon and darkness had come over the whole land until about three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. This is a dark and hard place to be. Even creation cannot bear to see its creator God crucified on a cross. Light itself flees. The sun hides its face. Perhaps we've felt pain like this. Maybe we've experienced days like this in our souls. And then it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus, to whom all authority in heaven and on earth belongs in his hour of greatest pain and need, and in what was perhaps the darkest moment in the history of the world, as God hung on a cross, commended His spirit to his father. In the face of death itself, Jesus entrusts himself again completely into his father's keeping, believing that his father will be faithful and care for him, provide for him. And he still dies. He doesn't avoid the pain of death by doing this. He is still laid in a tomb. He will know the grave. But in the midst of it all, he commends himself entirely to the good keeping of his heavenly father, who he knew and we know raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ saw beyond the suffering, beyond the pain, beyond the grave itself. And he saw into the promise of his father, and entrusted all of himself to God, the Father of all. If you have let human concerns for your life overshadow the concerns of God, if you found comfort in our crucified Lord, but have never really considered the call of that Lord to follow his way, hear again this Good Friday invitation to be crucified with Christ, and in denying yourself in living for Christ and for those who Christ loves to find streams of life for you to enjoy it's a hard road that leads to the cross but it's good and it never stops here and if you've been on this road with jesus for a while if you feel as though you've carried your cross you've lost your life in a myriad of ways for him and now you're looking for the life that he promised longing to see that part of the road that goes beyond this day beyond this suffering beyond all pain Look where Jesus looked. Look in the way that Jesus looked. Entrust yourself in your moments of greatest need to the keeping of his Father and yours, and believe in your spirit that the crucified Lord suffers with you until that day that is surely coming when the risen Lord will feast with you. May we each choose this good way of Jesus, the good way of the cross, for the sake of a world which is suffering without purpose, and for the sake of people who grieve without hope. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.